You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon, and one of our great staff writers at Arrowhead Pride, Ron Kopp. John, it is January 26th. It is the Super Bowl week before the Super Bowl week. How are we doing? Uh, Great, because we're playing. Right. It's happening. It's happening now. Again. Once again, it's it's like a double bonus that you're getting it back to back years. Ron, how are you? I'm good. I was a little worried Sunday that I would that I uh, might have taken the the feeling for granted going to another Super Bowl, um, but I didn't. I, I it, it felt good. It didn't get old, um, and it feels really good to be back in the Super Bowl. So let's do it. Right, the Kansas City Chiefs once again AFC champions. They win the Lamar Hunt Trophy in back-to-back seasons, and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they advance in the NFC. And if you were listening to the editor's show since the beginning of the season, you didn't even need to watch the whole season or the playoffs. <laughs> you would have known that I was going to be Chiefs and Bucks, just like I said. Let's get to the All news. All hail Pete Sweeney. Thank you. All Thanks, John. Thank you. For what it's worth, and I I will say this, Chiefs-Bucks was predicted by a fair share of analysts. It would have been a little bit more impressive had it been this ragtag team out of the NFC. You know, that maybe a Rams, for example. But look, I got to predict it right. Maybe next year will be the Rams. Okay, here we go. Let's get to the news. And we start here, John, with some poor news. Eric Fisher, we felt this coming out of the game that this would be the case. Confirmed torn Achilles. Uh, we'll get more into the analysis of this as the show goes on, of course, talking about the offensive line. But really, a tough loss for Fisher because he's been here forever. You'd want him in the most important game of the year. Left tackle is a, a pivotal spot. And this is a contract season for him next year. I know fans have been subge- suggesting potentially cutting him for 2021 probably got less likely as the year went on anyway, but now it's a non-option. You can't. Yeah, this is a bad situation here. A really bad one. Uh, Not only for Fisher, who's been a great player for the Chiefs since he was drafted as the number one overall pick in, what, 2013, I guess. But, um, you know, this was not what we needed to hear for the offensive line going into the Super Bowl, uh, going into next year. I'm not a doctor. But I read a lot of people who claim to be doctors on mm-hmm. the internet. So a lot of Twitter, essentially. Yeah, uh-huh. And um, it seems unlikely that we're going to have Fisher back for 21. Uh, almost whether it, right because it's closer to the, or not. Yeah. To the, the 10-month range for mm-hmm. the recovery of something like this. So either way, the Chiefs are going to have to figure out some way to deal with left tackle next year. And um, whether or not they have players on the roster now who could step into that role is essentially unknown. Maybe Lucas Nehan can do it, but 
his first season at left tackle. That's not a that's not a play I want to make. That was so, the eventual plan, as you know, John, was yeah. drafting the Yang TCU. He was going to be a guard this year and then hopefully work his way out to tackle. That's why those scenarios about potentially cutting Fisher had even come up because sure. you felt like, okay, we have the most reliable and durable guy ever at right tackle and Mitch Schwartz. Maybe you can move on, save some money, throw Niang out there. Now Fisher is under contract for next year, possibly injured doing so. You have no idea about the mm. future of the right tackle position in Mitch Schwartz. So quite the conundrum, Ron. Yes, definitely. And I think the toughest part about it is just how hard it is to replace the tackle position. Yeah, uh, You see the Chiefs throughout the years, they've done a great job of, of finding another guard or finding another center and just plug and playing them. You can't do the same thing at tackle. Tackle is a way uh, different beast. That's why they've been so fortunate with having uh, two of the better tackles in the league, honestly, when you think about Schwartz and Fisher together. Probably one of the best tackle duos in the league when they're both healthy. Um, and it's just not going to be easy to replace, especially both of them all of a sudden. Uh, it was Schwartz for a little bit. Now we're going to have to look at Fisher, too, for, for 21. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason to see how they handle that. Yeah, and, and just to reiterate that point, what, what's especially crazy is how you never had to worry about this. And then both at the same time, oh, yeah, right, you, yeah. you got to figure it out. Uh, and and the Bucks have quite a front, and that's something we're going to talk about even more. Next news item not your typical Super Bowl when it comes to the media. This is usually a very media-friendly event. Typically this week, we're talking about right now, that would be in Kansas City. We'd be covering at the stadium. Limited this week. I think the expectation is we'll hear from the Chiefs on Thursday. But next week, the Chiefs would fly typically down to Florida early on. You would have media night. It would be this wild thing they're still doing media night they're still doing media sessions but everything is on zoom so the chiefs are staying in kansas city and the reports are that they won't fly out until saturday i've been saying this and i think this plays right into the hands of the chiefs because andy reed he hates hoopla he's mr anti extra he doesn't want media night he doesn't want an hour for his players to be talking to reporters and filling their heads with jargon all day long. He likes it to be as close to a regular season game, even a preseason game, as possible. And that's exactly what this is. This is going to be, okay, there's going to be some extra time for media, but you're in Kansas City. You're still have, probably going to have a very, very, very similar practice schedule. You're still flying out on Saturday before the game. Hell, you're even going to the opponent's stadium. Right. It couldn't be closer <laughs> to what would be an, a road regular season game. And that's my takeaway. I, I think Andy Reid is loving this, John. Pretty impressive there that you turned uh, going to the road stadium into uh, into a positive. There for you the go. Chiefs. That's very good. I'm very impressed with that, Pete. But I think you're right. I, I think this is just exactly what the way Andy Reid would prefer to have it. You know, last year, the 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 traditional media day became a television event. And uh, while you were talking about that, it just occurred to me that we're not going to get to see the two teams wearing the slick warm-up no. <laughs> suits that they had during that uh, that media event last year. So that'll be disappointing. Um, and, you know, we have no idea how this Zoom thing is going to play out, you know, how, how, how it's going to work, you know, how we get the information. So we're all going to be playing it by ear next week, and uh, we'll do the best we can to give you the best coverage. But... It's going to be very odd. We we really don't know how this, yeah. what this is going to look like yet. 
I'm lucky. I mean, when you're first on the beat, you're, you're trying to do different things to figure it out. You're, you're getting your way. Once you get to year, I think I'm on year six or seven, everything is similar to the previous year. I'm winging it next week. I yeah. have no idea what it's going to be like. So hopefully you enjoy whatever coverage we come up with uh, at Arrowhead Pride. Ron, you have any thoughts on this? Well, the only thing I'd say is I do kind of feel bad for the players that weren't able to participate with the Chiefs last year. I know a lot of the Chiefs, you know, went through all the the hoopla, as you say, uh, last year in the Super Bowl. And, you know, that's memorable to, you know, an NFL player. That's what sure. you, you do it for to get there. And guys like, you know, like a Juan Thornhill, um, you know, he didn't he was there probably, but he wasn't active or, or playing or anything. Uh, Wiley didn't play either. I guess, you know, the game is still happening. But, you know, with some of the new players, too, you just, you know, that kind of stinks for them. They don't get to experience all that. Yeah, and that, that was the case all season where, you know, you have, the, the, the Chiefs were lucky to have some fans in the stadium and, and find a way to do it safely. You have these other teams, and we always think about the stars of the NFL, but say they're only going to be up for a handful of games in an NFL setting, and they won't make a team next year. They didn't have fans. You know, some of these teams, you know, you never had that real experience, so you, you lose some of that, I think, and that's, that's a good point by you, Ron. Last news item we got to get to, and this came from ESPN's Diana Rossini. She sort of just snuck it in an article. I saw it as we were coming on, but the Chiefs expect Le'Veon Bell and Sammy Watkins back for the Super Bowl. This one to me, though, you know, was obvious because I think they were close to playing in the AFC title. Seemed like Bell's knee swelled up on Wednesday and just couldn't get back to where he needed to be in time. Now you have two weeks and Watkins was a game time decision. You would think that the two weeks now resting his calf, he should be good to go. As you hear this news, Ron, how do you react? Well, I think it's a good thing for the Chiefs because as much as they look good on against Buffalo on Sunday without Sammy Watkins, it's still going to be really important that he's there, especially going against uh, you know a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that we already kind of touched on is is pretty good, and and we're going to need all the weapons the Chiefs can, uh, and so it, it's good. Uh, the Le'Veon, I don't think changes too much. Uh, no. You know, I think Clyde and and Daryl are are taking over the backfield, especially Daryl right now. Um, but it is good to hear that that uh, the Chiefs are expecting them back. Who knows if that actually means they'll be back. I saw this meme this week. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown heading to the Super Bowl. Big Ben at home. So he's going to be watching them. Uh, <laughs> Funny how that works. John Watkins and Bell back in the lineup. Yeah, I think uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be a healthy scratch. That's what I think. I think that Very possible. They, yeah, yeah right. I think that the, the this point, just like LaShawn McCoy last year, uh, they may think, well, he's ready to go, but we don't really need him. I think they'll do really well with Edwards Alaire and Daryl Williams. And I'm already on record as saying that I think Williams should be the guy in the postseason. Um, just carrying forward Matt Lane's argument from last week that uh, he's better suited to run behind this offensive line. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm glad he'll be ready, but I don't think he's going to play. Williams looked so good this postseason that I'm actually surprised that Clyde Edwards-Alaire still got the first touches last game. You know, mm -hmm. I, yeah. sometimes, and, and you hate to say this, but it is the case, sometimes the fact that he's the first rounder in the number 32 overall pick does factor into these things. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I thought still in the AFC title game, and I'm, I'm, I'm blowing one of my points here, but I thought still <laughs> in the AFC title game, Williams looked better. I don't care if he's undrafted. I don't care if he took right. Clyde in the first round. I, I mean, I, I think at some point here, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is our best opportunity to win. Andy Reid typically does that. So I, I do wonder how the Super Bowl carries play out. All right, those are your news items. When we come back, we will get into our Chiefs, Bills, AFC title marinated takeaways. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Ron Kopp are coming out of the AFC title game. We have some marinated takeaways from this game. Now that it's a few days old, we've had some time to think about it. And I'm going to start because uh, I came up with the rundown. I put myself first. Uh, The Bills matchup, (laughs) to me, showed just how ahead of the entire conference the Chiefs are. And... Why I say this is because the Bills were playing so well. They won nine out of their last 10 regular season games. The only one they had lost since the Chiefs lost before that was a Hail Mary play to DeAndre Hopkins. You had the two playoff games where they knocked off the Ravens and the Colts. And even before that, they were in a situation where they needed to beat the Miami Dolphins in what was a pseudo playoff game to keep their status, to knock the Miami Dolphins out who were playing for their playoff life. And they embarrassed them. And the, the Chiefs had a nice game with the Dolphins this year. So it's not like the Dolphins are just pushovers anymore. So I look at this Bills team, good team, good defense with some pieces in the secondary, a good offense that really was beating everybody. They were beating everybody coming into this game. They didn't look as good in the playoffs. I'm I'm happy to admit that. But you expected them to put up a fight against the Chiefs. They go up 9-0 because of some self-inflicted wounds. And then it wasn't a game. The Chiefs find a way, this version of the Chiefs, to make great, above-average teams look like they are simpletons, like they are ordinary. And it's fascinating to watch. And, you know, I've had the wheels turning. And we're going to get into Bucks, right? Because now we're just so focused on the Super Bowl. But are, do the Bucks fall into that category? Like, that's what I'm left wondering of. Okay, yeah, the, the Bucks are, are a strong team. They're the best in the NFC. But have we seen them face a team of the Chiefs' stature yet? And I, I've just been left with that where, man, you had so many people even picking the Bills, saying Josh Allen is as good as well. He ain't. And, and they are not close, John. No, I, I agree. And but I think it was right for people based on what we knew going into the game to consider it a close game. I stand by my three point point spread pick, um, but the Chiefs just outplayed them in this game and out schemed them and out game planned them. They did all the things that it's hard for us to measure before the game. Based on what we saw in the regular season in the first two weeks of the playoffs, the Bills were gonna be a good team. And and there was every reason to think it was going to be a close game. 
didn't turn out to be. I'm I'm fine with that. I couldn't be happier to be wrong about my prediction, but based on what we knew at the time, I think it was it was the correct one. Um, but yeah, it, it, the Chiefs have have got this locked down at this point. I I question your uh, idea that the Bucks are the best team in the NFC. However, um, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC. They just really didn't play very well against the the Bucks, and frankly, neither did the Bucks. But that's another another story. You got your prediction, so it's it's all good, right? Well, I hope you're picking a blowout in in these Super Bowl predictions, then, John. Uh, I don't know if I am or not. I, frankly, I haven't gotten that far yet to think about. And I suppose I'll have to be because I'm sure I'll be asked about that when I go on the air in Portland this afternoon with with those guys. So uh, I guess I'll have to come up with something before then. Ron, how good are the Chiefs? Very good. Um, and 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 the reason the reason uh, the to say about the Bills the fact that the Bills were really hot. You know they they were on on this hot streak and they were playing like the best. You know one of the best teams in the AFC, playing like the the most competitive team to the Chiefs, and they couldn't even make it a uh, you know it was a twenty three point game in the fourth quarter. Um, right. That is just a really yeah. bad sign for the AFC because there's going to be these new AFC teams coming with these young quarterbacks like a Josh Allen that have these big years that have these, you know, kind of hot streak towards the end of the year. And if a Bills team that pl- was playing really well, I know Pete said not in the playoffs. I'd agree with that for sure. Um, but they were still hot overall to not even be in the game in the fourth quarter. Right. That's just not a, a, a if you're yeah. another AFC team that's hoping to catch the Chiefs soon, that's really not a good sign. Travis Kelsey was nice to them after the game and said, you know, don't go by the score. I mean, the score could have been worse. What are you talking yeah. about, Travis? <laughs> Easily. Yeah. 38-24. It was 38-15 with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. All right, John, let's get to your first marinated takeaway. Yeah, I watched carefully um, on Sunday. And I think Dave Tobe was telling the truth about James Winchester. Uncle you Dave. know, I hadn't, I haven't really paid much attention to how the ball travels from the long snapper to the field goal holder until Dave Tobe brought it up last week. But I didn't see Tommy Townsend spin the ball one time, and I was paying attention on each one of those kicks. It looked to me like he was catching it and putting it down as it arrived at his hands. So when Dave Tobe said that typically – James Winchester is able to snap the ball in such a way that it arrives in the holder's hands with the laces in the right spot. I think he was telling the truth. A lot right. of people thought it was was he was covering himself. He was making excuses for Townsend. But, um, you know, in that game the week before last, I noticed it when Townsend spun the ball. And that used to be something that you would see every holder do. And it, for the first time, occurred to me that I haven't seen the Chiefs doing that for a while. I mean, it stuck out on one of those missed kicks that Townsend spun the ball. And I think maybe he hasn't been all along because Winchester is so good at it. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad you were watching this, John. I, I always get lost in the, the Townsend hair. I, I can't focus on <laughs> the details of the operation. <laughs> But when you get to the Super Bowl, you you do need the kicking operation to to be really strong because you never know the amount of points yeah. that these games are going to come down to. Ron, you have any special team stakes before we move on? Well, I, I just know Craig better be looking out for his, his special teams, you know, uh, analysis job. That's right, John. John's coming for it apparently. <laughs> um, <Yep>. Johnny had. <laughs> No, it, it was good to see Butker uh, look better Sunday. Didn't miss any kicks. Uh, that was good to see. That's all I got. We'll stick with you, Ron, and go with your first marinated takeaway here. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with the the play of the Chiefs secondary on Sunday. Um, I know the front the front four was kind of was getting Josh Allen rattled, but there was a reason he was kind of holding on the ball a lot longer than uh, you've seen him at times this year because that coverage was really covering up Diggs, uh, Beasley, uh, John Brown, all those guys. They were doing it really well. Uh, PFF I saw had. Uh, when when Diggs was going against Bashad Breeland and Charverius Ward, he totaled uh, two catches on four targets for 12 yards, which is you know pretty impressive when you're going against your two boundary cornerbacks. Um, I believe Lajarius Sneed only allowed one catch in coverage uh, to Cole Beasley, so I was just super impressed with them. And then you got to talk about the comeback of Juan Thornhill. Uh, you know, it, it's been a kind of an up and down year for him coming back from the ACL injury. Now we're about a year out, or it's a, it's you know more than a year out now. And that was my, might have been his best game, not only the year, but maybe his career. Uh, he, was, he was all over the place. He had four passes defended, apparently, uh, which is just mind-blowing number for a single game. Uh, Juan Thornhill was all over the place. And if he's back at full health and back what he kind of looked like going into the end of his rookie year, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs' safety position is all of a sudden one of the better ones in the league, I think. Yeah, I'll comment on this takeaway and say that might be – the biggest takeaway of the game is that Juan Thornhill finally looks legit again. And that timeline makes sense, right? Because he was a little bit rushed. They had said that mm-hmm. and he never really felt like himself. What was the season? It was about eight or nine months from, and then you now add the three or four on top of that for the regular season and playoffs. And it's about a year, which is exactly the timeline that a lot of people felt it would take for him to be like himself. Worth saying this on some of the injuries, Cole Beasley, apparently had a broken fibula in this game and just played through it. So kudos to him for that pain management. Also, you had mentioned Sneed. I do want to mention that we think and believe right now, again, it gets dicey with this two-week break, but we believe he's in the concussion protocol. Hopefully some kind of update on that before the end of the week. And then Armani Watts also, we think, is in the concussion protocol, more of a special teamer now. John, I I won't ask for your take on this one because you have a similar take in your next point, uh, your next marinated takeaway for Chiefs Bills. Yeah, uh, you know, I I was really taken with how many different looks the Chiefs threw at the Bills, thoroughly confused them. Um, And some of it, I think, had to do with uh, the players they had on the field, I, I wrote up the snap counts this morning and noticed for the first time that uh, this is this really stood out to me, that there were 88 linebacker snaps for the Chiefs on Sunday and just 71 plays, which means that a lot of those plays, there was only one Chiefs linebacker on the field. Right. So they had extra defensive backs in there all over the place. So that's part of the reason why the secondary did so well against players like Stephon Diggs is they were double teaming all the time. Uh, Up until the last four minutes of the game, uh, Diggs had 33 yards on five catches. Now you do that to Stephon get Diggs, you're going to win some games when you're playing against the Bills. And Spagnuolo did that by showing them things that they were not expecting to see. Um, I don't think they expected to see that kind of a a second-level look from the Chiefs because they were expecting the Chiefs to be worried about the run from the Bills. And Spagnuolo just doesn't give them that stuff. And I think this is a consistent pattern. When you look at the, the snap counts from week to week for individual players, one week a player will be up there, the next week he'll be down, then he's back up there again the following week. 
Spags likes to keep the other guys guessing about who the personnel is going to be, not only on every snap, but in every game. And I think that's part of the reason why the Chiefs have been so successful. Yeah, and especially with Diggs, it's impressive because, and we had mentioned this going into the game, people know he's coming and he blinks and he has 120 yards and nine catches and two touchdowns. And so Chiefs had a really good plan for all these receivers. I, I do think that the Bucks will be a different type of beast. Beasley and Diggs and Brown and what they got going with some of those younger tight ends and so on. Impressive, but this is built like the Chiefs in, in Tampa Bay with Evans and, and Godwin and Brown and Gronk, you know? So they, I'm interested in seeing the game plan against these guys, but but Ron, very impressive against the Bills. Yeah, and one thing about Steve Spagnolo that Chiefs fans got to start maybe thinking about is, uh, you know, are, is, is he going to beat the enemy to a head coaching job? Um, <laughs> is he going is he, is he to get another gig? He, he said he wanted to. You know, he, right. he expressed it in, in, in uh, the media availability that he wanted to be another head coach. And if he keeps coaching like this, um, he's, he's getting recognized now as, as you know, he, I think he kind of went under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, just because the offense is so good, people don't recognize the Chiefs defense or Steve Spagnuolo. But that Bills performance put him back on the map, I think. You kind of hear national people start talking more and more about Spags. Yeah. Shoot, uh, uh, we might not be able to hang on to him for too much longer. It's too late right now. He did have a stint with the Rams that went very, very, very poorly. But I've had mm-hmm. I've had and heard some some people talking about that prospect this week of Spags returning as a head coach. And I bring him back to what was the year before he came to Kansas city, which I believe was 2018. Correct. Sometimes I get my years mixed up. Yep. The year before he took a year off and it was the first time since 1980 that he was out of football, apparently looked inside, watched a lot of film, reinvented himself a little bit, you know, three quarter life crisis type of deal. (laughs) And came back, obviously, a, a stronger defensive head coach. And yeah, you, you said it, Ron. You said it this year. The fire still burns in him to be a head coach. So as someone who, who reports on the Chiefs and we watch them, we wish him that opportunity. Same thing with the enemy. Andy Reid will find quality people. He's been around long enough that he knows enough people to, to get some people in the pipeline. But uh, Spag certainly is trending towards deserving that opportunity. And you make a very interesting point. If the enemy does not get that Houston job, which is still open as of this recording, yes. mm-hmm. he'll be, we, we presume, with Kansas City next year, and Spags probably will get some interviews, I think, next year, so long as he continues these efforts in Kansas City through what will be the 21-22 season. My last point on this game, and then we'll move on to what we have is the questions for the Super Bowl. You can't kick field goals against the Chiefs. <laughs> Bucks, what are you doing? My, I was about to explode watching this game. You have a situation early on where... The Bucks can take control of the game. They're fourth and three from the Chiefs' 33-yard line. No score. They kick the field goal. Okay, that's an early lead. That's probably the only acceptable one. You get toward the end of the half, you make it a nine-point game instead of a 12-point game. If you don't get it, what does that do? It's still two possessions. And then you, you would think, okay, they're going to go in the halftime locker room, come out knowing they need to score, knowing they need to be aggressive. The Chiefs score first, make it 24-12 after the half. Then it's fourth and short again in the Chiefs' red zone. And McDermott, 
and Dable opt to kick another field goal. And, and they were just saying, okay, Chiefs, you know what? You ran out of time on this one. Let's just reset the hourglass for you so you can get the offense clicking again. All right, let's do it for you again. All right, boom. Third and fourth quarter, blink, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, two touchdowns, 38-15, and then you decide to get aggressive, but there's seven minutes left on the clock. Guess what happened? You, you ended up scoring. Of course, the Chiefs were playing a little bit more pre prevent at that time. You're not going to be able to beat the Chiefs until you build their personnel, again, similar to like that Bucks level. You're not going to be able to beat the Chiefs with the team you currently have, even though you do have some strong pieces, including your quarterback, unless you're aggressive. We've seen the few times that the Chiefs have come close to losing and the time that they lost, that it's an aggressive mentality that you have mm -hmm. to have and you have to hit on your risks. It's the only way to win. It's the only way to win. And it's like that they didn't even realize that you needed to do that. And granted, we're happy with the results. We're covering a Super Bowl, but it was maddening for me to watch. Maddening. You know, you you said Bucks the first couple of times you meant the Bills, and I thought maybe you were describing what was going to happen in the Super Bowl, and I thought, well, I'll be okay if that's the way it plays out. <laughs> hey, well, I, you know, these two Bs, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. difficult for my brain to wrap uh, right. my head around it. I'm glad that we're moving on to only one of these teams well, after this podcast. It's, but it's, it's now three <laughs> because we've gone from Bills, uh, we went from Browns to Bills to Bucks, just right. like last year we went from the the – Texans to the Titans, it confused me the whole time. But no, I, th I think you're right. And I right. think it was even more noteworthy because the Bills had been aggressive in their playing style before they came to Kansas City in the playoffs. And, you know, we could say, oh, well, they were just playing along with the Chiefs. Well, that's not really <laughs> trying to do their little, own little mad scientist thing and say, well, we just won't be aggressive against the Chiefs. I don't think that's what it was. I think they got scared. I think they, they, they thought we're going to need every point we need to win this game and didn't realize that the Chiefs were not going to give them opportunities to get back in the game in the second half because that's what they probably thought all teams do. When, in fact, I think the Chiefs are are letting team are getting in to prevent defense and letting them score a little bit and then clamping down on them in the fourth quarter and, and it's too late for them to catch up. Hello, Ron, you play to win the game. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Herm. Um, yeah. And, and, and the thing is, when, especially if you're a Bills team who you're, the strength is your offense, you have a strong right. offense, your defense. OK, you can say you have a defensive head coach. You have some nice players. It hasn't been a strong suit for you all year. Um, teams have been able to do stuff against Buffalo's defense and the Chiefs were doing great things against Buffalo's defense besides the first possession. So, yeah, it makes no sense why you wouldn't be aggressive. Uh, you got to get yourself in the game more. Uh, yeah, like Pete said, going down from 12 down to nine. What does that do for you, especially if you know the mm -hmm. offense, the Chiefs offense is just going to follow that up by scoring another touchdown. I think they kicked the field goal after that. But, yeah, I, 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 it made no sense to me either. All right. Those are our five marinated takeaways on Chiefs Bengals. When we come back, we will talk about the Chiefs and the Bucks. the questions we have initially entering Super Bowl week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Ron Kopp. Got a great day at Arrowhead Pride for you right now. We got a mock draft cooking. We have snap counts up. You can go back and watch Andy Reid's full Monday presser if need be. We have winners and losers still from the game. A lot of our post-game takeaways, five things we learned, a film review of Patrick Mahomes and how he was able to manage playing with what was turf toe and 
Kent had a nice point on this and he broke down the film this way. This might be what Chiefs fans can expect about 15 years from now when Patrick Mahomes <laughs> can no longer move as nicely as he's able to. This stationary type of game will be more what he does. And interesting point by Kent, never really thought about that. You hope Patrick Mahomes stays as healthy as possible for the next decade. That goes without saying. But right now, good day uh, to check out arrowheadpride.com. All right, here we go. It's the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs got started on Monday. And if last year is any indication, this will be the week that they prepare for the game. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, so we've dug in on them uh, this morning and um, try to get a jump on that. Uh, we understand that it's a little bit chaotic when you, uh, with all the media and the things that go up, go on. <clears throat> during uh, these next couple of weeks. So we're trying to get a jump on the best we can before completely chaos hits. So, um, and, and what you see is a team that's not making many mistakes, that is uh, got a high level of execution going on offensively and, and defensively. A variety of looks on both sides of the ball, uh, solid on special teams, um, and uh, you can see where Tom's leadership um, on the offensive side is showing. Um, uh, he's, he's playing at an extremely high level. And for somebody his age, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable for a 25-year-old to be doing what he's doing, let alone a 43-year-old or, you know. So, um, and then defensively, they... They're fast and they're, they're always on the attack. Not a lot of guys that do it as well as Todd Bowles does it. And, um, and got a large package there of goodness that he throws at you. And so um, you got to be on your toes when you're playing against his team. So it's going to be a long two weeks and we're going to just get into some initial questions we have about the game here. Plenty of time to analyze and overanalyze before we get into the questions. I want to say this, and this is just something to remember the chiefs last year. And I thought this was brilliant. They had to fly down to Miami the week before for all the media stuff. They pretended essentially that the game was the Sunday before they won with them winning. Andy, Reid's going to do the same thing this week. He's yeah. going to pretend that the game is this Sunday. This is their prep week. This is when they're going to do their regular Monday, regular Tuesday, regular Wednesday, so on and so forth. Get the practice in. Get the game plan installed. Next week, even though it's still in Kansas City, it's just going to be a review of the same game plan. So right now, they're grinding. And that gave them a huge advantage, I felt, last year. I remember that the San Francisco 49ers were given like a couple days off and they had to like check back in. Whereas Andy Reid said, no, we're going to stay in, give you guys a break review. I think a lot of a smarter way to do it because then next week you're trying to install a game plan while you're doing an hour of media all day. I, I just, that can really, I think mess with your studies and, and whatnot. And anyway, I, I expect them to do the same thing. All right, let's start with these chiefs bucks, John bucks questions. And I'm going to start with the quarterback matchup because I love this storyline and I know it's going to get beaten down to nauseam, but who will win this swing game? And if you've heard me make this point on the radio, I've made it in a couple places, but I'm going to make it again here. 
I look at the career of Patrick Mahomes and you're watching the best start to a career for a quarterback of all time. He's playing the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. Based upon what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes so far, you expect him to win multiple Super Bowls in his career. Sorry to say that for all those non-Chiefs fans, for if you somehow landed on the Arrowhead Pride podcast page, but he's going to win multiple Super Bowls, right? We're allowed to have conversations about him that we weren't allowed to really even dream about before. I think, fast forward now to 2035-ish, I think that he's going to be approaching what is Tom Brady's mark. You know, four, five, six, maybe he's getting close Again, I realize how crazy I'm sounding, assuming that he's going to win six Super Bowls, but I think he'll be close. In the course of his career, this is a swing game for the greatest quarterback of all time. You're either chasing four after this game, if you're Patrick Mahomes, or you're chasing six. So you could not only win a Super Bowl yourself, but you can beat the eventual greatest quarterback of all time you're chasing because we watched it in the NBA. What is the NBA always? Did he get six titles? Then he ain't MJ. People are always going to go back to the titles, especially if you live in New England and now Tampa Bay, if you're somehow a Bucks fan, they're similar to the Chargers in my opinion. And so I'm looking at it that in that fashion of Brady versus Mahomes goat versus baby goat or John kid, because a kid is a baby goat. So it's a, it's right. a goat versus a, a kid. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. Fans of certain teams will always hold up that titles thing. And I think that most people will hold up the titles thing, but I don't really have, I'm not really worried that Mahomes can't match that. Even if he loses the game, this Sunday. You're saying he's going to get to seven. Yeah. That's even, you're even crazier than I am. Well, how, the, how unreasonable is that? It's not I, that. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Know? If he, if he plays to Brady's age and let's be honest, that's distinctly possible, right? He could easily play until he's 43. He's already started treating his body right and eating right and doing all the things that Brady has only recently started doing to continue to play at an advanced age. I don't think it's unreasonable that he could play for 20 years. Are we saying that Patrick Mahomes can't win seven titles in 20 years with whatever team he's playing for? Which I, I think the only we the tweet chiefs, but right. I think the only thing that may concern me with that is I feel, and I don't think it's anytime soon. I feel at some point Andy Reid is going to drop off, and so I'll be very interested in that initial year or years, sure. right, without Reid. And sure. so that that becomes interesting to me. I think that's an interesting wrinkle. But say that Reid is here for ten years. Let's say he coaches until he's in his early seventies, which doesn't yeah. seem improbable. Right, he could do that. At that point, will it matter who the head coach is after, you know, after 12 years, 13 years in the league, is it going to matter who the head coach is any more than it mattered who the head coach was for Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? You know, Bruce Arians already is saying he's letting Brady coach on the field. That was certainly the case with Peyton Manning. If Reed stays in the, in the seat long enough, what difference does it make who the head coach is going to be for Patrick Mahomes? I'm just saying. Ron? Yeah, I think that's a good point, John. Um, but to the to the swing game part of this, Pete, um, I, I thought I, I think that's a good point, and I agree with you. 
Um, I heard Therese Thank Paler you, say it on the on the Therese Paler show on 610. Um, and, you know, he's a Hall of Fame voter, so I take what he says very seriously when it comes to this kind of stuff, legacy stuff, just about how, you know, this this does matter, uh, Brady versus Mahomes. If, if Mahomes is able to top the GOAT uh, with one of his rings, then that that does give him a little bit of an edge if he does get close to him. You know, maybe if he doesn't even match six Super Bowl rings, if he even gets to five and has all these other accomplishments and he beat Brady in the Super Bowl one time, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I thought it was really cool that Pere, uh, uh, Therese Paler said that because um, I, I wouldn't think – Honestly, that 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 matters. Honestly, for a historical perspective, as a fan, I think it would matter. Like from you know, from a fan's perspective. But it was cool to hear that a Hall of Fame voter actually does think that that could matter towards uh, both of their legacies. All right, John. I figured this question was fitting after my question, so you can go ahead. Yeah, you sequenced this very well. Uh, and this and this is an, not a football question. This is a media hoopla question, which is what is the over under on how many questions containing the word legacy will Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady get when the uh, reporting begins in earnest next week from the national reporters? Mm. Yeah, a lot. Over. My, my over, yeah, I'm taking the over on that one. I Aim think it's going to be a lot. <laughs> and I think by the end of it, both will be sick of it. I'm eager to see because both are sort of media masters in this. I'm eager to see how many different ways they have compiled to talk around these types of questions because neither wants to talk about it. Brady, you can see is already annoyed with Mahomes. I I'll give you an example. I can't even remember the exact week it was, but he was asked about uh, Mahomes already this season, probably leading into their game, you know, obviously. Right. And Brady said something to the extent of, well, yeah, he's thrown 50 touchdowns in the season. That's not easy to do. You know who else did it? Tom Brady. And so <laughs> there is that edge, I think, already going into this game. Uh, Ron, let's get into your question for the game. What do you got? Yeah, so this is more of a football question. Um, I thought I'm, I'm looking ahead to the game and kind of thinking, you know, how the Chiefs can beat the Bucs. Uh, they did last time. And one thing they did last time very well was get the ball to Tyree Kill. Uh, he had an, an insane first quarter, uh, 200 uh, receiving yards in one quarter. He got to about, or maybe in the half, um, but he got to 269 for the game. Um, and it looked like for a second he was going to uh, shatter the, you know, the, the uh, NFL record. But obviously the Bucks aren't going to allow, you know, they're not going to just put Carlson Davis on an island against him again, or will they? And, th and that's what I'm curious about, because if they can take away Tyreek like they kind of did after that initial wave uh, at the beginning of the last game they played, uh, Chiefs offense, I know, I know, you know, they already had the lead and maybe weren't doing as much as they could have to score, but they didn't do too much kind of after Tyreek's explosion. And, uh, you know, we're talking about playoff Sammy already. If we can get playoff Sammy back, that's a huge deal. But if the Bucks can kind of take away Tyreek by kind of just focusing on him, not letting him get 300 receiving yards again, that makes it a lot uh, tougher for the rest of the Chiefs offense to score. And I'd just be curious to see uh, how the Chiefs offense functions if Tyreek is taken away a little more this time. John, on this point in particular, I, I, I'm going to nicely yell at a certain group of the fan base. So why don't you go before me? <laughs> well, I was just going to build on Ron's point by saying, that uh, in the Tampa Bay game in the regular season, Sammy Watkins was healthy. He played in that game. And that might be part of the reason why Hill was so effective. You know, we always talk about playoff Sammy, but the reason playoff Sammy is a thing is because when he's in the game, you've got two wide receivers you have to cut if what we are having reported is true, that Watkins will be back for this game. 
then that's going to create a problem for Tampa Bay that they had in the regular season game as well. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be any better off uh, covering Tyreek Hill this time than they were last time because Sammy's going to be in the game. And we've got other players behind them that are have shown that they can be successful too. Byron Pringle was in there quite a bit this last week, um, more than he's been in any game this season on offense. And so um, it's going to be a tall order for them to cover all of the Chiefs' wide receivers, just as it will be for the Chiefs to cover all of Tampa's Bay, Tampa Bay's. I just think that if you look at those receivers one by one, their best receivers versus our best receivers, the Chiefs have an edge there. So that's just me because I'm, you know, on this Chiefs podcast. Right. And here's my, my turn. I know there's going to be fans out there that are listening to this podcast that are going to say, we don't need Sammy Watkins. We haven't had him in weeks of what this is the bucks. I'm being very clear about my right. B's here. This is mm-hmm. the bucks, not the bills. They have right. a very good defense. They have a very good front. The more impact players that you could have in this game, the better there are things Sammy does better right now, healthy than McColl still does. I know McColl had a, a good week after that, that mishap. Same thing with, with Pringle and, and Robinson in the way that he can be effective as a receiver, purely, purely his receiving ability. If the Bucks do have a good plan for Kelsey and Hill, they may need Watkins to beat the Bucks. I, I expect them fully to move on from Watkins in the offseason. I don't think this is a marriage that is going to continue, but this is the last dance. This is, this is the last farewell game, and he can make an impact, and he mattered last year, and you saw that with that play over Richard Sherman, and there could be a similar play, I think, uh, coming up in this game. All right. My final question heading into this game is how many bad dreams is Tom Brady going to have about Steve Spagnuolo between now and then? Because there's one season that you go back to and everybody goes back to. I still look at it as one of the greatest games of our lifetime where the Patriots enter 18-0. Tom Brady had this opportunity to match the Miami Dolphins and have a perfect season with more games, 19-0. Here come the ragtag Giants, 10-6. and They're not supposed to even come close to winning this game. Steve Spagnuolo comes up with a plan to rattle Brady. And we've seen time and time again since then in big, big games that Brady loses. It's when he's pressured. It's when he's hit. It's when he's sacked five times like he was in this Super Bowl by the likes of Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan. And this was Steve Spagnuolo's plan. And who better for the Chiefs to plan against the greatest of all time than Steve Spagnuolo? And you really, you know, you can even flip that question. Say this was a Bucks podcast. This is finally ultimate revenge for Brady for <laughs> losing that game to Spagnolo and saying, well, you know, you can always go back to history and say Spag's got him in this one, but he was able to beat them in this one. And, and the Chiefs really look like that dominant team. Now they only have the one loss to their starters. Remember that you have the week 17 loss, but to their starters this year, they only have the one loss. So I find that a very interesting storyline, Ron. Yeah, no, that is a good storyline because I, I think one thing to think about with the Steve Spagnuolo-Brady uh, matchup is the two times Brady's played the Chiefs since Spagnuolo got here, he hasn't really had too much success offensively. I know this last, you know, this regular season game this year, they put up 24 points uh, coming back in the game uh, towards the end of the, of the game. But 2019, uh, you know, in New England, uh, Steve Spagnuolo holds Brady to 16 points and, and the, the defense stepped up to kind of help the Chiefs win that day. I mean, I believe they were shut out pretty good in the first half. 
um, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I think Spagnola does kind of have Brady's number a little bit, and and I'm sure he he uh, you know he's gonna dial up a great game plan um, with all the the talent we got on the the defensive uh, line right now. And yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty confident in Spagnola going against Brady. I'm sure Brady's having a ton of bad dreams. John, I know you don't want to talk about Brady's legacy, but how about Spag's legacy entering this game? Well, you know, all I could think about when you were talking about the Giants versus the Patriots, and, and honestly, I hadn't thought about that till till I saw your question, that this might be Brady's chance at revenge. The thing that's scary about this is that the teams have reversed roles. Brady played for the hot team that everybody expected to to win. That <laughs> That's year. true. That's and true. And Spagnolo coached for the wild card team who managed to get there improbably. Well, which one of those teams is the Bucks this year? Right. It's they're the wild card team that's managed to get here improbably. So the the it's actually a very interesting storyline because you can you can play it successfully from either direction, no matter what the outcome of this game. Uh, there's going to be a story to write about it. So um, there, there's a million storylines. If you even yeah, d- dig yeah. deeper into that, a couple of years later, the Giants beat the Patriots again, and Jason Pierre-Paul was a huge part of that team. Right and now, he's and, playing for right. for Brady. So this whole thing is just intermixed with different storylines. Well, maybe we can get JPP on the Chiefs for next year. Yeah. What, what's that, what's that storyline? That would be great. I'm I've been eyeing these these slot receivers. I don't want to go too far into the offseason podcasting, but I I wouldn't mind a Corey Davis or even a Chris Godwin filling in that Sammy role. I don't know how Brett Veach is going to figure it out, but that's why he's got Brant Tillis, right? That's right. why he has Brant right. Tillis. All right, let's get into our final segment, which is John's favorite. I haven't even mentioned it to this point, but the best Chiefs thing we heard all week, and this is something I, I know a lot of people have seen because I checked it this morning. There were 3.2 million views on this, but there's audio from NFL Films, uh, Patrick Mahomes and <laughs> Travis Kelsey talking to McCole Hardman after the muff punt. A lot of plays left to be made. You got to trust them boys for it, all right? Now Buffalo's got goal to go after the fumbled punt. Hey! Bring it on an end around to McCole Hardman. He's got plenty of room. He's at the 25-30. Road gear, 45-50. They block the next guy, 40-35. Andy Reid dials up the jet for 51. They throw it left side to Hardman on a wide receiver screen into the end zone. Touchdown! Helping us to forget about that muff punt. Hey, that's how you handle the version. You smack it right in the mouth. Inside the NFL is on Showtime, so probably a a must-watch for Chiefs fans there. But cool to hear exactly what Patrick Mahomes said. If you noticed in the game, McCole Hardman put a cape over his head. (laughs) It was really wild. And Mahomes had to go over and take the the cape off and, and said, come out, little caterpillar, it's time to be a butterfly. And he flew all over the field, uh, 50 yards up the field. And then John, uh, minutes later, a touchdown. Yeah, you got to love this kid. He's such a leader, you know, uh, and he's not a guy that uh, I think I saw one of our commenters mention this today, that he likes the fact that um, Patrick Mahomes is saying stuff like that instead of glaring at them. 
you know, the top quarterbacks, the big Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that we've seen in the NFL over the years have been more in the Brady mold. You mess up on the field, you know, I'm going to be looking right at you when you come back to the huddle. I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to tell you that you just made a bad play. Well, just like his head coach, Patrick Mahomes knows when his teammates make a bad play that they know they made a bad play. And he, along with everybody else, expects accountability from everybody. So his job then is to build them back up. And he does it exquisitely, which is just so clear from that clip. I love it. I, and, and, you know, look at me. Look at me. I'm talking to you. Right. You need to hear this. I, it's incredible to me. John, I'm not sure you had to necessarily bring Philip Rivers into this in his retirement, <laughs> but you, you did so. Well, Ron, he's retired did, now. It's okay. Ron, what did you think about the, the clip? I thought it was really cool that they get that moment. Those moments are always cool when inside the NFL gets those kind of things. Um, I thought it was also cool that Travis Kelsey was also kind of taking, you know, a leadership role a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, John had a, an article earlier and, and I had one uh, last year too, yeah. uh, you know, and, and he referenced it in the article about how Travis Kelsey's evolved. And I just think it's so cool to think about, you know, how hot of how hothead he was, you know, when he was mm-hmm. early in his career, uh, you know, that's all he was known for really. I mean, I couldn't, you couldn't even imagine him as a, as a professional, uh, leader kind of guy like he is and and I love that line at the end you know that's what we do to adversity smack it in the face and that's why Kelsey's not only just a, a really fun guy obviously but he's a really relatable leader and, and and perfect for this football team well there you go we have done it we have reached the end of today's Arrowhead Pride editor show coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network the boys are down at the senior bowl I heard that they had to get an Airbnb after a hotel thing and They're having some fun down there, evaluating some future chiefs potentially. And so they will come at us from Mobile in person. They're in person with a lab mailbag on Wednesday. And then we'll have some content throughout the week with From the Podium. Should be a a big From the Podium coming out of what we think to be Thursday. Draft show from Mobile at the end of the week. And then we'll be picking back up with your usual schedule next week. And then keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as we'll have news and notes from what we can come up with leading into what will be the week before the week. It is the Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Chiefs fans. You are AFC champions once again. For Ron Kopp and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweetie. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.